Well, ladies and gentlemen, we are so blessed this morning to have William Ochoa with us. He is the pastor of New Covenant Church, which is in Guatemala City, New Covenant Family Church in Guatemala City, and we are so excited to have him here with us. The first time that I met William, I was in Guatemala, and there was this guy on keyboard just playing some songs and leading us in worship, and it was, you know how sometimes you have some, like, some stereos go to 11? You know what I'm talking about? Like, some stereos can really get up there. This one, uh, this one was up to 12, for sure. And William was leading, and his heart of worship was amazing. But more than that, what he was instilling in the people was love for Jesus, was coming to him, and everyone everywhere could recognize right away that William had a Lord that he knew, and also who he wanted to introduce to everybody. And so William has a great way of just bringing people to Jesus, which is a blessing. William, thank you for coming today. We're blessed to have you. Can we welcome William as he comes? Thank you. Is, it, is this on? Yep. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Good morning, everyone. It's a huge blessing. You cannot imagine the joy that I feel today. Uh, it's been like a dream, being all over the place, and it's a huge blessing for me to be with you today. Um, <clears throat> I would like to do some things before starting pre uh, preaching. Uh, yesterday uh, was uh, Veterans Day, I guess, I guess, yeah? So I would like you to join me to honor Captain Stephen Ottolini for his service to this country. God bless you. God bless you. One of the things that I am very surprised is the, the peace that you have in this country. You would say, oh no, there's some things going around here. It's not that peaceful. Well, let me tell you, from the place where I come, come from, I mean, this is a beautiful and peaceful place. And I bet it's because of the service of people like Captain Steve Ottolini, right? Okay. The second thing that I want to do, um, we heard about this uh, grant that you're, uh, you're receiving for the work in, in CLTI around the world. And uh, we heard about this few weeks back. So uh, with the little church in Guatemala, we're starting to uh, work and we uh, came up with a little offering that I bring uh, now from uh, our church in Guatemala, because we, we want to stand with you in the work that you're doing in, um, around the world in CLTI. So it's, a, it's something <laughs> very little, I, I would say, but uh, and this is our first contribution to this grant. There's a family in, in our church. They plant lemon, lemon in, in some part of the country, and they have devoted 4,000 lemons for, uh, and they're selling it to, to bring that money to this grant. So I would like to deliver this uh, little offering. Can, can you join me please, Mike Hayden? Uh, I would like to, to deliver this uh, in the name of our little church in Guatemala for uh, this grant and we stand with you in this, <laughs> in this work. Wow, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. That's beautiful. That is beautiful. Amen. We are grateful. Amen. 4,000 lemons. 4,000 lemons. Wow. 
Yeah. Wow, that is creative. <laughs> Great awesome. lemons. High quality lemons. High quality <laughs> lemons. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, very good. We yeah. like lemonade. Yeah. Awesome. yeah. Thank you, Well, Jesus. we just want to say thank you. No. Thank you. It's our pleasure. Your church. Awesome. Your heart Amen. for the world. Amen. And, um, you know, Stephen had mentioned that CLTI is beginning later this month. Well, later this month is tomorrow. It starts tomorrow. Okay. Uh, so we're excited. It's been a very busy week for me, bringing in all kinds of students from Islamabad, Hyderabad, <coughs> Punjab, all the jobs, bringing them in, getting them in, and getting them in the institute. They're there. They're getting set up. Tomorrow is their first day of class with Khalid Injam. So Khalid will be teaching them for the first uh, two weeks, and then I'll be there in 10 days. Awesome to take the next couple of weeks. So it's the beginning. Amen. And so we are delighted that you, in a timely fashion, are standing with the brothers. We are standing with, with CLTI. We feel great about yeah. it. Can, can I pray for you? Please. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray, Lord, that the church family in Guatemala would know the refreshment that comes from above. Lord, the greatest gift we could ever hope for is having the Father and the Son make their abode in us. There's no greater gift. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would refresh the people of God there with William and the church. And Lord, bless them abundantly, would you please? And Lord, for every gift that was given, every sacrifice that was made, press it down, shake it together. Lord, cause it to overflow with return yes, in every way, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, brother. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Um, one more thing that Dr. Steve Adelini asked me to do, and he said that he would have some spies here watching out if I'm doing this. So I uh, asked for the help of uh, our brother Roy there, and I want to show you a couple of pictures of my family. Uh, if you can help me. Those are my two boys. Uh, Joshua Mathias is uh, seven years old. And uh, little Luke Emmanuel, uh, one year and a half. I think I have another picture there. You can help me, Roy. There you go. Beautiful boys. Thank God they look just like their mom, <laughs> not like me. Uh, I want to show you the most beautiful girl in the world. Sorry, ladies in here, but this is the most beautiful girl in the world. I, I picked the, the right picture where she's in front of me, so, I, so, so you cannot see my huge belly, in it, right? Um, she is Cindy. She's uh, three years younger than me. Um, I, I don't know where I had the courage to ask her out. And I was expecting a no, a hard pass, like, <laughs> no, dude. I'm, I'm being serious. She's out of my league, right? She's out of my league. But she said, yes. And I said, are you sure? <laughs> and I was like, oh my god, she said, yes, what should I do? I started, I started reading, like, Dating for Dummies, something like that. And <laughs> can you help me with the last picture? So here we are, uh, uh, those uh, three handsome creatures and myself. 
Uh, and the last picture, I think, is the best. Uh, she, that's my family, so I, so I, I, I hope you can know me a little better. Um, if you don't like me, uh, well, you, you're going to like my family. <laughs> uh, Christian, uh, Christian's mom, Monica, said, William, take, take Cindy everywhere. She looks, she makes you look better. And I, yeah, that's good. That's good. That's great. Okay, so um, I'm going to start preaching now, okay? Uh, I'm going to be very slow because uh, I'm not, not as bright as Dr. Steve Alonini thinks I am. He loves me because I am a musician. <laughs> but in English, I'm even slower. So I'm going to be attached to my outline here, but please bear with me. And I will, I will uh, need uh, some of your facial expressions. If, I, if you're not understanding what I'm saying, please give me this look. <laughs> So I, I will understand that I need to pronounce better my words. Can you please open your Bibles in the book of Matthew? Please. Uh, Matthew chapter 10. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 10, verses 16 to 20. I'm glad I just made you laugh a little bit so I can be a little more serious, maybe a little boring, but okay. Matthew chapter 10, verses 16 to 20. Are you there? Okay. It says, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. But beware of men, for they will hand you over to the courts and scorch you in their synagogues. And you will even be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they hand you over, do not worry about how or what you are to say, for it will be given you in that hour what you are to say. For it is not you who speak, but it is the spirit of your father who speaks in you. Join me in prayer, please. Father, in this moment, we just open the Bible, yes. your word. Yes. We ask you for your mercy and grace yes. to come upon our minds and our hearts. And we can understand Thank fully you. what you, in your original intention, um, had given to us. Uh, allow me, as the, as the preacher today, to, to, ble to be clear and to deliver a clear message for all of us to be edified. Thank In the name of Jesus, Thank amen. Jesus. <clears throat> so, here in New Covenant, I've been following New Covenant in Facebook and YouTube. I've heard a lot of preachings from Dr. Stephen Lalini, <coughs> from Stephen and uh, from David and Jeff and all of you guys. Uh, you had Dr. Stephen Lalini, almost a Puritan in the flesh, right? Uh, big theological stuff, very insightful. You have Stephen, the pastor, and always you're going to find the centrality of Jesus Christ in every single passage and preaching that he has done. Uh, one of my favorites, David. Uh, I mean, so much application, so funny. Uh, I've, I've been uh, really blessed by all the preaching here. 
And today you're stuck with me, so you have to bear with me, okay? I might bring something different to the table. Uh, in every single passage, you're going to find a reference to redemption, to the story of salvation. You're always going to find it there in some way because that's, that's the structure of the whole Bible. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ himself, he was the sheep sent into the midst, midst of wolves. He was astute. He was clever against his enemies because they never, um, they never found him in error when he was teaching, right? He was the perfect example of humility and meekness. Uh, they handed him over to the council to be flogged. Uh, they hand, handed him over to the kings and rulers to be judged. This speech to his apostles um, in chapter 10, it's about what it means to go on a mission and to be founded on the assumption that he himself would suffer this. All that he's telling to his apostles, you're going to suffer this, that was uh, upon the assumption that he was going to suffer exactly that. Exactly that. It was in the plan of salvation that he suffers in his own body all these things for our rebellions. Uh, chapter 10 of Matthew, it's, um, it's the second discourse that you're going to find in the book of Matthew after the Sermon of the Mount. The chapter 10 is going to be a discourse of Jesus Christ to his apostles about uh, how to be a missionary. He was going to send them to all the villages and cities. And after, after that, Jesus himself, he was going to be there in, in, in those places, preaching and teaching the kingdom of God. So Jesus is preparing them to suffer because that task uh, it was going to be difficult, right? These are the instructions that Jesus continued to give to his apostles. Uh, they would go out to this entrusted mission, announcing the kingdom of God. In this part of the speech, this uh, few verses that we just read, uh, Jesus specifically announces sufferings and the persecutions uh, when carrying, carrying out the mission. Uh, to start, Jesus used um, an illustration. And verse 16 says, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. That's a frightening image, right? It's, it's very scary. These animals, sheep and wolf, they were not friends. They were not friends. They were opposites. And more than that, in, um, in the literally sense, in such situation, a sheep would never have the opportunity to face the wolves. A sheep never had the opportunity to overcome a wolf. That is why this is a symbolic language, because no one would believe that a little lamb would come out triumphant in the midst of wild animals. However, in the transcendental sense, in the ultimate sense, there would, there would come a lamb that would win. Right. We, we, just, we just sing that song. Behold the triumphant lamb. Yeah. So that's what we're, we're seeing Jesus here 
in, in, in this, in his ultimate sense in this passage, the Lamb of God. In, in some way, this passage is announcing the final victory of the Lamb of God. This scene is kind of a preview. Now, translating it into the reality of the, of the apostles, uh, and help me out here a little bit. Uh, do not start applying this to yourself. Right now, I'm trying to expose, like the, so to speak, original meaning, or original meaning. And we're going to come to an application at the end. But try to bear with me and understand uh, the reality of the apostles in the first century when, when they are hearing these words from Jesus. They, the apostles, as the representatives of the nascent church in the first century, uh, they seem to be so defenseless and, and harmless against the power of the Pharisees or the Roman officials in the first century. That, in fact, in many cases, uh, end up in martyrdom. It seemed uh, very easy to imprison them, uh, whip them, and even kill them. They were just like sheep, very uh, defenseless, helpless. Indeed, in the natural eye, of the first century in Jerusalem and other cities of Israel, the sheep would, uh, would be uh, being devoured by wolves. But don't let the appearances deceive you. That, that blood uh, of, the, of the martyrs in the first century, that blood had a purpose. And, and that blood would not go unpunished. We will see more of this later. Because of the apostles would be in this situation uh, of a supposed disadvantage before the wolves, Jesus then gives them a, um, a strategy. And this is a strategy in verse 16. It says, so be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. That declaration is a strategy for, they, for their day in the first century. The word that translates into English as shrewds comes uh, from the Greek phronimos, uh, and that means intelligent, wise, conscious. And Jesus uses, use, use this word as an adjective, always illustrating, uh, illustrating this, this virtue that they, they needed to put in place to use in the midst of wolves. Now Jesus uses another animal. Jesus uses the serpent. Uh, despite having a negative connotation in scripture, because Satan is direct, directly uh, uh, identified with the, with the animal, the serpent, um, Jesus is using a characteristic of this animal in the natural sense. It is a characteristic that can be used in favor of the apostles when carrying out the mission. Indeed, uh, snakes, although they can also be deadly predators, um, their way of proceeding is not like, like a wolf. A wolf is it's, uh, loud. It's, it's, uh, it calls your attention. It, it is intimidating, right? But uh, the snake is it's hiding. It's, it's going in silent, unnoticed. Uh, so when the, time, the right time comes, she attacks. So uh, 
Jesus is calling out these characteristics. Snakes, snakes always act more cunningly. They are stealthy. They calculate risks. They act suddenly to uh, and not making so much noise. As the translation from the Greek says, this characteristic of prudence has to do with the intelligence and wisdom that only the children of the kingdom can have. Are you with me? Jesus continued to use these metaphors based on animal characteristics. Continue with the phrase, innocent as doves. So I'm going to be talking a little bit here of, of a paradox. How can a person be so shrewd as a serpent, but at the same time so innocent as a dove? That is a huge contrast, huge contrast. So that, that's why we need to call it like a, a paradox. It's very interesting that the, the phrase innocent as doves, which translates from the Greek akeraios, uh, means pure. Innocent, ready for this? Unsophisticated, I like that. Uh, unmixed with evil, free from deceit. Being innocent as a dove, it's because a person is not mixed with evil. It's free from deceit, but at the same time, it's very clever, very astute. Um, a commentary says this, I like how, how this man puts it. It says, in this group of words, we have highlighted some of the rare, rarest and most excellent graces and virtues of the Christian character. The fundamental notion of the term akeraios is the absence of strange mixture. So what Jesus is telling to his apostles, they were going to face persecution. They were going to face people that uh, would, they, they were going to be violent against them. Jesus gives them a strategy. You have to be very clever, shrewd as serpents, but at the same time, innocent as doves. These characteristics are the highest virtues in the Christian life. This was only possible to the cleansing power of Jesus' teaching in his apostles. These men had to experience this paradox in their own character. They were being transformed in a very clever people, but at the same time, innocent as doves. Although the proclamation of Christ as king in the first century would become a crime, calling Jesus the Lord of Lords, that would be a crime in the first century. Even in these men, when, when they would do this, they would be innocent in front of the heavenly court. That's right. They could be uh, charged with crime in the human court, but they were, they were going to be innocent in front of the heavenly court. The innocence of the disciples will always condemn the persecutors of the church. This is a fantastic point that we need to remember. And actually, if you study church history, you're going you're gonna to see this 
all the way uh, with a lot of theologians, their innocence before the heavenly court is going to be something that no one can beat. Innocence or simplicity is one of the highest virtues of the Christian life. And, in, and this is only achieved by being justified by faith yes. alone. Let me give you an example in the Bible. <coughs> Prophet Daniel is a very good example of these two points. Daniel was a man of God, yes. a clever politician, yes. a fantastic politician. And at the same time, he was innocent. Yeah? What did Daniel say when he survived the lion's den? Let me read that to you, Daniel 6, verses 21 and 22. When the king was there and he was screaming, Daniel, are you alive? Daniel answered, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths, and they have not harmed me. Inasmuch as I was found innocent before him, yes. and also toward you, O king, I have committed no crime. Very clever, but at the same time, innocent. That's, right. That's a Christian man. Prudent men like the snake and simple, innocent like a dove. Jesus continues in, in, in the missionary discourse and now instructs them to beware of men in the first century. And he says, beware from, the, from this man. The, the, the word is prosecho. It means alert, be alert, consider carefully, be attentive. Men, the word men here, are contrary to faith. These people were contrary to faith, contrary to Christ. And this will have no doubt about betraying the apostles. In fact, Paul himself relates on some occasions in his letters to that that happened to him with some of uh, who were supposed to be brothers in the faith. And although Jesus warned the apostles, uh, when Jesus told them, you're going to face this, uh, they were not exonerated from betrayals of these men. They were, they, were going to, they were going to suffer the betrayals of men. Jesus was practically anticipating that they would suffer this. We clearly read in the book of Acts that the apostles were handed over to councils. They were flogged. They were handed over to rulers and kings for Christ's sake, which the apostles suffered with great joy, actually, because they had the privilege of suffering for the cause of their master. Now, all these betrayals and sufferings had a purpose. It was not in vain. Uh, Verse 18 says, as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. Uh, the word that is translated into English as testimony comes from the word martyr, martyrion. Uh, it means martyrdom. So that they have evidence of the impurity for the testimony against them will serve as a proof of their wickedness. The blood of the apostles, the sufferings of the apostles would be the proof of the wickedness of men. The worst thing that the Jews and Gentiles could do in the first century 
was to persecute and make the apostles suffer. Yeah. It was the greatest mistake that they committed because these tribulations that they caused the apostles served for their own damnation. This can only be possible by the providence of God. The suffering of the apostles was momentary. They were suffering for a few years. And when they were dead, that's it. Their suffering ended. But the punishment and the condemnation of those persecutors, that punishment was for eternity. Can you see that? This is precisely, precisely what made the apostles martyrs to testify to the impurity, the vileness, and lowliness of the unbelieving heart. One of the most vile and ruthless acts that governments in the world can do is to persecute the church. The church may suffer at the hands of ungodly governments, but that suffering is never in vain. That suffering is for the damnation of the persecutors. Jesus goes further and announces to them that after being persecuted, almost half dead, <laughs> they, were, they were beaten, uh, they will be brought before the courts of the wicked. And at that time, I don't know, maybe with a lot of blood in their heads and, and with almost no clothes and I don't know, uh, I've been beaten a couple of times in my life. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I'm not thinking straight in that moment, right? But at that time, due to the burden of persecution and suffering, uh, even though when the apostles didn't know what to respond in that moment, the mercy of the Lord was manifested, bringing tranquility and peace to their minds to answer to argue even after being persecuted. Verse 19 and 20 says, when they hand you over, do not worry because the spirit of your father will give you the answer. How would this be possible? Peter and John before Sanhedrin, Paul before Felix and Agrippa, were they not the ones who spoke? Obviously. Or they were robots or puppets? No. This is Precisely the Pelagian, semi-Pelagian, Armenian charges against our Orthodox Reform understanding. Of course, the, the apostles were aware of what they were saying at that time. But the scripture teaches us that it would be the Holy Spirit, God himself, the third person of the Trinity, who would be speaking through them. In this passage, we can see how Jesus is teaching the Father is taking, taking care of, of the apostles, and the Spirit is working through them. We can see the entire Trinity working in this moment. Yes. Yeah. This is somewhat similar to what we believe regarding the inspiration of the biblical writers. Moses, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. Second yes. Peter 1 verse 21 says, For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will. But men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. That word moved comes from the Greek phero, that means, which, uh, which means to carry, to lead, to guide, to transport, to be internally moved, incited to 
speak. So was it God or was it man who spoke? It was God through men. God in men. Yes, God can do that. And he did it. Not one time. Multiple times in front, in front of governors, rulers, kings, the spirit of the Lord was with them. And they were speaking through them. Think how terrible it was for the rulers, kings, and all these persecutors who judged the apostles after they were captured. God himself was speaking through them. When those evil rulers came to the, to the seat of judgment in front of Jesus Christ, the supreme judge, yes. they, were not, they were not having a good time because God himself was speaking through the apostles. Yes. I told you that we were going to come to the application. <clears throat> and I want to apply this concept right now to our, I don't know, situations and in our country, in our jobs, and our families. Um, a writer that I admire, admire much, his name is Donald A. Carson. He writes a very good advice. He says, prudence can easily degenerate into cheap cunning. Did I say that right? Yeah? Prudence can easily degenerate into cheap cunning unless accompanied by simplicity. Even innocence turns into ignorance unless combined with prudence. <clears throat> by the grace of God, we are not in the same situation that the apostles in the first century. That's why uh, with, with our church in Guatemala, we, we, uh, we raised some funds to, to give this uh, this offering and, and stand with CLTI because even though we are in another part of the world, man, we, we do not experience what our brothers in Pakistan, in India, in Africa, what they face there. I mean, I mean we're not in the same situation. Although in many parts of the church, in, in the world, the church of Christ continues to be persecuted. However, we are not yet in a Christianized world, okay? We might come to instances where our Christianity is challenged by secular humanistic culture that prevails in our government circles. And it is there where we have to be prudent, not reckless, simple and innocent, but no naive. An example is when many governments wanted to close churches due to this pandemic. That was a test for the Christians to show whether they would be wise as serpents and at the same time innocent as those. These situations are going to come to your family. These situations are come to your, to your work, to your job, uh, to your business. And your job is to act according to what we learn from this instructive address to the apostles. The balance is difficult, but not a little of Jesus' teaching combine, combines such seemingly opposite poles of meaning. You might, 
find it uh, sometimes kind of in a contradiction because you would say, oh, I would like to be very clever in this situation, but it, it's going to mess up with my conscience. So you need to understand how to do that. And you might say, I cannot do this. I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a bad example. I don't know. But let me tell you, you have to trust the Holy Spirit that guides you through these situations so you can be wise as a serpent, but at the same time, innocent as a dove. This teaches, teaches us that although we believe in the victory of Christianity in the history of the mankind, the Bible also anticipates that we will have opposition. We will. That's true. Let us never expect the Christian life, the Christian life to be free from opposition. That's, that's, that's not going to happen. But let us have complete confidence that Christ has overcome, and therefore we will overcome. Human nature is much more evil and corrupt than we imagine. Um, the, power of, the power of evil is greater than we suppose. Therefore, let us not fear when it's, it seems that the evil is growing. Do not be alarmed. I mean, if you, I'm sure that you have studied with Dr. Odellini or with Stephen the, uh, the, the parables of the kingdom. I mean, in the same field in the world, evil and good is growing. And it's growing at the same time. Don't be alarmed when you have opposition. When the, when the evil is growing, you, you're, what you're watching is that evil is it's, uh, becoming more mature and it's coming to an end. So don't worry when, when evil or opposition comes to your life. Evil will never defeat good. But that does not mean that evil will not be an opposition to us. The simplicity and innocent, innocence in this passage is a practical call to holiness. <clears throat> it, it is a practical call to, holini, to holiness to the disciples of the 21st century. Even in the midst of persecution or tribulation, the search for holiness is not to be relegated. Suffering, hear me out, suffering is not an excuse to fail in your pursuit of holiness. Are you suffering? Probably. You're going to suffer from different things. Maybe you're not going to suffer as our brothers in Pakistan or in India. Maybe you're suffering from other stuff that they do not suffer. But that suffering is not an excuse to fail in your pursuit of holiness. It could be difficult, but you have a task to fulfill. Regarding our responsibility to evangelize, to testify to others, there is um, another writer his last name is Stroman. He says that we see Paul exhibiting, exhibiting in his letters innocent prudence, he says. When he applied a strategy to reach the lost, his strategy never compromised the truth. Paul put it this way. He said, to the Gentiles, 
I have made myself to the Gentiles so I can reach more. To the Jews, I have myself made as a Jew to reach and win more. And, and it's, it's not a, a call to hypocrisy. It's a call to a good strategy to be intelligent, but at the same time, innocent as doves. This passage, it's, a, it's a never, uh, it's never hinted at any kind of hypocrisy. Rather, Paul hinted, hinted at a strategy for accomplishing the mission. When, we, when I evangelize a child, I do not do it in the same way that I evangelize a person who is uh, in a different position in his life. Let me, to, to finish up with this, let me give you a couple of examples. I was in a public pool with my, with my child, with Joshua, when uh, um, a little a kid, he was like 12 years old, his name was Julio. He, he came to the pool and started playing with Joshua, and, and Joshua told me, hey, Dad, can we go to the bigger pool? And I said, you know, we cannot do that because the bigger pool, it's too, it's too deep. It's, it's three meters uh, deep. It's almost the size of Goliath. And, 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 and this little uh, boy, uh, Julio, he said, who's Goliath? And I said, you don't know who's, who Goliath is? No. You don't know the story of, of David and Goliath? No, I've never heard it. You, you're joking. No, no, no. Okay, let me tell you the story. So as a good biblical theologian, I took this story from David and Goliath, and I turned it into a, an evangel, evangelizing situation. So I, I testified to Julio. He, he was a, a boy from the street. Uh, he didn't know how to read or, or write. Uh, he was asking money in the street, and he uh, came with the right amount of money to get inside the pool. So he was playing with us. So I, if, uh, I, I led Julio to Christ, and I, and I told him, uh, it was a Saturday, so I told him, tomorrow I want you to go to a church and ask for a Bible and ask them to teach you how to read and write, because we were uh, far from our home, so we were not gonna be near to him. So, uh, and I told, you, I told him, Go to a Protestant church, not, not, not the, the Mormons, not the Jehovah's Witnesses. You know what church I'm talking to you about? Not, not a Catholic church. And he said, oh, I know. The churches that are very loud, that's one, I told him. So that church, go to that church and ask them for a Bible and ask them to uh, teach you how, how to read. And maybe I will see Julio in heaven I don't know. I've never seen him again. So that's, that's a way to evangelize. So one of the things that I, another example, one of the things that I do in Guatemala is that I lead a, a, a school to train politicians in a um, Bible perspective of civil government. And I've been doing this for a few years. Uh, we've been having our program, uh, congressmen, uh, candidates for presidency, right? I mean, we, we've been having all these kind of people. And one time in our class, there was a, a very fine lady, very elegant, right? Uh, uh, she was very, 
wise. Um, you, you could notice that she was a, um, a high-level official in the government. And actually, she was, for 25 years, uh, she, she was um, ambassador of Guatemala in Japan, in Ecuador, in Egypt, in a lot of countries, right? She was back in Guatemala, and she heard about our, our school, and she was studying there. And, and after our classes, she asked me, hey, are you a politician? And I said, uh, I'm a politician, but a different one, I would say. I'm a politician of the kingdom of God. What's that? Well, so you can understand me, I'm a pastor. <laughs> I'm a pastor. And, and she said, the pastor, those that have a church, that, that kind of pastor I am. So and she said, uh, could I have a, a coffee with you and, um, and maybe I can share my story with you and everything. So she was a non-believer, obviously. She was a, a highly educated woman, right? So I had a, a coffee and a, and a hamburger with her in a Wendy's and I led her to, uh, led her to Christ. And she's part of our church now. Glory, glory to God. Wow. So uh, she's an older, older lady. She's been having health issues, but she's with us, right, in, in our church now. And uh, she's been like, she was evangelized, and I ev evangelized her in a different way than Julio, right? I didn't use the same words, the same examples. Uh, am I a hypocrite? No, I am trying to be clever, to to reach this and to reach that. Clever and innocent as doves. The message is the same. Salvation. The strategy may be different. This would be an application of how to be prudent as serpents and simple as doves when we are evangelizing. I hope you can find uh, the reading of this passage an application for your life, your work, everything that you do. I cannot imagine all kinds of traits and things that you do, but I hope I can edify you with this pre preaching. Sorry, I got a little excited. It took too much time, I guess. But uh, it was a huge blessing and a privilege for me to be with you today. God bless you all.